Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Hey, Amy, we are so glad to have you on the Run for PRs podcast. It's been a while since we recorded a podcast, but we had a lot of people requesting that you come on. You're our registered dietitian at Run for PRs, and you're also a long distance runner yourself. You've done several marathons. And we're really excited to take a deep dive to answer a lot of the questions that our athletes are having around long run fueling, race day fueling, and then just recovery. How do you feel your body after your runs and also weight loss and running and how those two can be related. So the first question that we had was what should, should be a, what is something that you would recommend eating the night before a long run? So first of all, you are going to want to practice what you eat before a long run so that you have it down to a science, what your body can handle and what's going to really keep you fueled for that long run or that race you have the next morning. So the main focus is going to be on carbohydrates. And typically you're going to kind of steer a little bit away from most of the vegetables that you might have and go more for refined carbohydrates. That's what, or like starchy carbs, so like rice potatoes, sweet potatoes, um, that's going to really keep your glycogen levels full so that when you are starting your race, that you are filled to the brim and can start using that for fuel. You're also going to want to have some protein in it too. Lean proteins are typically handled better in the body, not as much fat. Sometimes fat can cause a little more GI issues. So figuring out which ones work good for you. Right. Those are all really great tips. And some of the phrases that you pulled, one word that we hear a lot is those glycogen storages when it comes to long distance running. And you said that carbohydrates help fill those up. And does it matter what sort of carbs you're eating? Like does white rice better than brown rice or do they all have the same effect? They'll have the same effect with a carbohydrate. But if you're turning towards brown rice, that's going to have more fiber which if you have too much fiber, it can cause GI issues during a run, which no runner ever wants to have, especially during a long run. So that's why you typically kind of turn away from the brown rice and might turn more towards a white rice. Oh, that's really interesting to hear that. I have heard so many GI distress stories over the years. So you're saying kind of steer away from the super high fiber stuff the night before the long run or even things that aren't really high in fiber, but just being aware of your fiber intake. So what is something that you have like the night before a long run? So a typical for a long run, I would try and go go with sweet potatoes or again, the rice, a chicken breast. I keep it pretty simple. I know what kind of works for me after all these years and after going through long runs and a few marathons, then my stomach just likes to keep it simple and I'm okay with that. Right. No, that's great advice. I know sweet potatoes and, you know, chicken or some sort of protein that's a lean meat. 
um, definitely is a go-to for a lot of our athletes and they have great success with that. Are there any foods that people out there should avoid having the night before a long run? Like maybe a juicy burger or French fries. <laughs> um, what are like the ones that you would say, yeah, maybe stay clear of these because they cause GI distress. I would say definitely maybe stay away from some broccoli and cauliflower. They're more likely to cause GI distress. I mean, something that works for somebody, they might love having their burger beforehand and it's fine. And so it's, a, it's definitely individualized. So maybe start with something simple and see how it works from you, works for you. And then kind of think back after your long run too, like, okay, I don't think what I ate really worked out well. Like it's time to try something different. So that's why it's good to practice before all your longer runs, what you think you'll have the night before the race, just so that you don't have any guesses the night before. Right. That's, that's great advice. And also, even when you're traveling sometimes to these bigger races, um, I know that can be a problem sometimes, but even ordering off a menu and saying, do you have all the cart items or what is an advice that you might have for someone who's traveling? Um, Do you ever like pack your own meal and eat it in your hotel? I've been pretty lucky. I usually just run Twin Cities Marathon and so I can just stay at home, but we did run CIM and we went to Panera. And so now I kind of know what I can order at Panera that works well too. So it's maybe looking at restaurants around there, or if you're staying at an Airbnb where you can actually cook your own food, just going to the grocery store the night before and doing it that way. Oh yeah. That's a good point. I know a lot of people who do the Airbnbs now, so that's great that Mm -hmm. people can cook their own foods when they stay there. Um, so the next question is, so we know what we're supposed to eat the night before and we got that down. So then the morning of comes, um, what do you recommend for runners? Should they eat in the morning? Should they not eat? Yes, you should definitely eat before a long run or before a half marathon or a marathon. Again, your glycogen stores can go down a little bit during the night. So you want to, again, bring them up to the brim so they're filled so that they can start working hard and you're going to have energy for that race. So again, you're going to focus really heavy on carbs and a little bit of protein. So like toast with peanut butter or even some bananas on that too. Oatmeal, adding in some nut butter would be a good idea too, along with staying hydrated or starting off hydrated right away in the morning. Oh yeah, the hydration, that's definitely a good point to add too. But I loved your um, example. So some people I've actually heard people who've done multiple marathons or even, you know, half marathons. And they say, I can never eat the morning before the race. And for me, I'm like, well, I would just start really small. Like maybe that's just going to be like half of a banana at first, just get your stomach used to it. Do you have any advice as a dietitian for someone who says like, they just can't stomach food because maybe they're so nervous or their stomach's just not used to eating in the morning? Yeah, exactly what you said. Starting really small, don't try and eat what your main serving you think would be on race day. So cut it in half or even quarter it and see how it goes from there. I always find it interesting in people that run marathons that do not eat anything (laughs) beforehand and like their fueling strategy and everything. Um, It can be scary because nobody wants to have GI issues and you don't want to have it. And so, but it's like, again, practicing That's what I tell my clients all the time. They probably get annoyed with me saying practice so much, but practice everything before your long run so that when it comes to race day, there's no surprises and that you're in control as much as you can be before the race. Right. And I know for a lot of people, maybe they're working and I know you, you post runs really early in the morning. Um, 
there sometimes maybe they say in practice and on their practice runs there's not enough time between when they wake up and when they get out the door to really have that breakfast so what is something that you do in your training um, that you practice that helps you even though you are limited on time in the morning Mm -hmm. so I usually don't eat as anything during the week just because I have shorter you know five to eight mile runs and I unless I'm super hungry when I wake up I don't need anything But for the long runs, I do try to wake up a little bit early or maybe even just starting off when you're running, grabbing something to eat and just eating it as you go as well. Or maybe taking your gel a little bit sooner just to get some more nutrition in you. Right. That's great advice. So just waking up a little bit earlier. And like you said, it's really only those really like over 90 minute runs where it it gets to be um, really important that we start with that fueling. So for some people that they might have midweek workouts where it's they're going about that 90 minute um, if they're really in the heart of marathon training. So then like you said, maybe starting with a gel, you start your run with a gel or a banana um, as fuel, which is great. (laughs) Um, And then it comes to, so you start your run and you're on your long run. Let's say you're going 16 miles, you know, a classic marathon long run. How often should you be fueling during that run? So typically every 30 to 60 minutes, you'll be wanting to take in whatever your fuel source is. Hopefully you can kind of feel or figure out what your body needs. Some runners feel like they need it every 30 minutes. Some find 45 minutes is the key. Others will just kind of sip on it throughout a couple of miles um, versus taking it all down at once. And so you can really kind of listen to your body and seeing when you need that fuel source. Right. That's great advice. I know everyone is really different with that. And I know um, sometimes people will say, oh, you should eat this many calories based on your weight. And there's all these formulas out there where you can figure out how many calories you should be consuming and all that. But I love how you said everyone is a little bit different. You know, even if you're way the same as someone else, they might consume a little more. You might consume a little less. Um, Mm -hmm. So there is really, is there like a magic fuel system out there? Like goo, gel, cliff shots. There's so many different. Honey stinger. Um, There is so (laughs) many out there. And I feel like every year there's more and more different ones popping up. Again, it's going to be what works for your body and what you can stomach during the race. I sometimes have troubles with gels and goos, so I use applesauce packets, like those little pouches, which I think seems kind of funny and not your typical source, but my stomach handles it really well and a lot better than a gel or a goo, so that's what I use. No, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, applesauce, they say that's the brat diet, you know, you're supposed to follow Mm -hmm. after you get the flu. Um, Same with bananas. Those are really easy to stomach, so that's actually a really good idea. I know one of my athletes, I think she used, like, dates. Yeah. Yep. I heard of that too. And so sometimes just using more of a food source versus something that's a little more manufactured might be stomached a little better. Yeah. So you recommend pretty much whatever works for you and whatever kind of tastes good. Cause I know when I'm running the last thing I want to do, you know, middle of a long run or marathon is eat a gel, but sometimes you almost have to force it down because the calories and all the carbs that are in there and the sugar, it actually does help your performance. Yeah, it definitely can. And sometimes if you can get it down, you might actually start feeling a little bit better and your energy, you know, you're going to have some more energy with it too. So it might be worth it just to force it down a little bit. 
Right. Every time I'm always like, oh, this is this is hard. I don't want to eat this. And then about, you know, five to 10 minutes later, you kind of get that surge energy. So it definitely helps because I used to be one of those people, um, you know, five, six years ago who was like, I don't take anything during mm-hmm. the race. And I it definitely now that I incorporate it into my training, it makes a huge difference um, with those longer races. So in terms of marathon training and you said every, you know, 30 to 45 minutes consuming the fuel of your choice. Um, they're all pretty similar outside of how they affect your body, right? I mean, they all can yes. a lot of the same calories, sugars, and all that, um, just from different sources. A lot of the people like the more natural, like honey stinger, because um, mm-hmm. it comes from honey versus goo. I'm not sure where they get theirs from, but I, I just <laughs> use the goo gels, which they work for me and they might work for That's you. That's all that so, matters. Right. Exactly. So if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't have a problem with my, you know, ha- hammer gel or whatever, <laughs> um, anything works if it's working for you. So should you fuel on every long run that you do? The majority of them, like you were saying, like once you get over that nine, tell if your fuel source is working for you. And if you need to change the timing a little bit. Right. I know sometimes I see people who will do um, like fasted or depleted long runs of like two and a half to three hours before their race, Mm -hmm. Um, even though they've they've practiced their fueling, but they do this like on purpose to deplete their glycogen. Like, do you think that there's benefits to doing that from a registered dietitian's perspective? There might be a few benefits, but most studies, so I guess I'll go into first why they would do that. So the benefit is that your body is then forced to burn fat as fuel. So instead of using your glycogen or your carbs, it has to use fat, which typically it would use second. So doing it over and over again, your body can get a little more efficient at burning fat. Um, But most studies say that you're going to end up slowing down during that longer run because your body is working harder to turn that fat into fuel. And so a lot of it is questioning that, okay, if you're going to be slowing, excuse me, slowing down your long run by 15 to 20 seconds, and you're doing all those runs slower, like how will that translate to a race? Like, will you end up racing a little bit slower? Right. No. Yeah. That's really interesting to hear that. So I guess if you're doing like a marathon specific work within that long run, you definitely want to be using fuel then because you're not gonna be able to hit your paces. Or if you do hit your paces, technically you're probably overreaching at that point. Cause like Mm -hmm. you said, your body's working harder. So it's good to know kind of the why there, like, why are we um, using this as, you know, a workout within your training cycle? Um, I think it it might be beneficial, like you said, but I think the biggest thing that runners struggle with is just getting a fueling plan down and perfecting it. And so if you already have that in place, it might be worth experimenting, adding in one of those long runs where you don't, but make sure those are just easy miles. Um, Yes. But, but we want your fueling. That's number one, right? Mm -hmm. You want to figure out the fueling and also like, exactly what you said, you want to do it on an easier long run if you are doing it for a long run. You know, perfectly fine to do it on an easy run, especially going to be in the morning, Um, but then wonder how it might affect the long run. And if you already have your fueling source down and what you like, when to take it, then it would maybe pose more of a benefit to you. 
Right. That's great. And I know we kind of touched already about the different types of fuel, but is there a benefit like pro con to if you just did gels versus is there a way to only fuel with liquid fuel? Because I know one of the really popular, um, there's a new popular drink out there like Mortines or I'm not sure the exact name for it, but some people are only consuming like a liquid sort of like maybe if you only fuel with Powerade, do you, would you recommend doing that or what are the pros and cons there? I think it just depends on what you can handle. You know, the Mortine might be a little bit better just because it is supposed to turn more into a solid in your stomach and maybe not slosh around like a Gatorade would right. do. Okay. So it's more about the sloshing. Cause I've definitely had that where I like, you know, have so much water and I don't know if my digestive system just can't, can't, um, absorb it all at the end of a run. And you kind of have that sloshing feeling, which doesn't feel great at the end no, of a marathon. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. So what if you have never used any fuel before? It's kind of is like the person who'd never ate breakfast before. What if you've never used any fuel before and you're training for your first marathon or half marathon? Um, do you recommend starting with just, okay, you're just going to eat a little bit and then building from there? Yes. And I would definitely start it on a shorter run too. So not go into your first 16 mile and be like, all right, time to start practicing. Like maybe practice on a nine or a 10 mile run, like somewhere you might not typically use it, but at least it's a shorter time frame. So if you realize like something was off, maybe my timing, maybe this source of fuel just does not work for my stomach. You kind of have a shorter time frame <laughs> until you're done running and can start, you know, feeling better. Yeah, I love that advice. So starting with a shorter run, maybe even one during the week, you know, like an easy five mile or just see, is this going to make me feel super sick? That's really good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, what about drinking? So you're on your long run. Um, should you drink when you fuel? Should you be drinking every, you know, two miles? Or how do you navigate going through a marathon and having all those water stops and your fueling plan? It is a lot different during a marathon. At least I know for myself, I'm not good at carrying fuel or hydration with me. So I rely on maybe some water stop or like fat water fountains around town, but mostly it's do it without any hydration. I don't know if you're the same or if you carry. Right. I you. usually in the summer, just because our summers. So the, if we're training for like a marathon and it's summer, I definitely need to probably stop every, you know, 30 minutes probably for water, but if if it's winter, middle of winter here for anyone listening, um, it, it's like sub-zero temps and you don't really get thirsty. I know that sounds really weird and you probably should be drinking water, but I mean, you could knock out 15 miles and not even feel thirsty at all just because of the temperature of the climate that we live in. Um, but yeah, I, I try to stop. And I think in Minnesota, we can particularly be bad about this just because we have really cool temperatures for the majority of the year. But I do think that practicing with the water is super important. Um, just getting like every every 30 minutes, get water. Because if you're doing a marathon, for example, and you're not used to consuming that water, just kind of like if you're not used to consuming fuel, you you, you got to practice it because otherwise your stomach, it's going to feel a little different on race day yeah. if you're drinking all that water and everything. So it's good. Um, it's good to step and practice, but then again, you are stopping. So just kind of being aware of how long are you stopping? Cause we did a group run today 
um, at the lakes. And I know a lot of people kind of are stopping in and then you start talking and it's fun and it's like a social atmosphere, but then there should also be runs where like, you're aware of, okay, I'm not going to stop for six minutes and talk at this water stop. I'm just (laughs) going to grab my water and go. So you want to practice like your water, like you would in the race. So when you get to the water stop in the race, you're not going to stop and chat to people. So you're, you're going to want to be quick with it. Right. Yes. And even kind of practicing with cups too, so that, you know, kind of form the sea so you can take it down while you're hopefully still running. Or if you do need to stop to walk through it, just to make sure you get enough water down, if you are starting to feel maybe some signs of dehydration. Right. Practicing with the cups is super important. Um, I, I think a really big question we get a lot is how do you do the water steps in a race? You know, um, I've, I've seen a lot of races. I've spectated a lot of races. And from what I see, it's usually if you're running nine minute pace or slower, you're most of the people around you are probably going to be walking through a water stop, um, at some point during the race. So, if that works for you and if you plan on just doing a couple steps, get your water and then get back running, I don't think it's going to really impact your race. It might actually be more beneficial to do it that way. Um, just with your breathing and your heart rate, um, just as long as if you do stop to take the water, I would recommend not surging because some people will, they'll take the water and then they sprint off because, you know, they took their two second walk break or whatever. Um, so just making sure you're being really steady with your energy because doing those surges can really, um, eat up your energy storages. But for me, I, I try to run through, them. it's not always great. (laughs) I'm sure you've been there where you like (laughs) gag on water and Sometimes I wonder why I don't just stop for, you know, just one second and get it down, but it's, yeah, I might it's over time, <laughs> right? It's always a work in process. I, I'm not sure it's, it's always tough, but practicing with the cups, that's a really great idea. I don't do that and I should, and that would probably be great advice for everyone listening. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially if you're nervous about it. Again, you can kind of just put some cups out, maybe have somebody <laughs> hand one out to you when you're running by just to figure out how you can get it down or if maybe it might work better just to stop for two seconds mm. to get down and right yeah especially in a marathon when you're going through 26 miles there's most marathons you're going to get at least at least 10 water stops mm-hmm. so just practicing feeling comfortable with going through it and what your strategy is and as far as strategies go when it comes to race day when it comes to long run day Um, one thing that I always like to do is when I get to my long run destination or when I get to my race destination, I like to have like a fueling plan. So I'll write down what miles I'm going to take my gels and then I'll sprinkle water in between there. I'll say, Oh, I'll stop at every water stop and get a sip. Um, but I think knowing what, what mile markers and just forcing yourself to take it or even attempt to take a little bit of the fuel will definitely help with your race day performance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say we get to the end of the race, end of the marathon or end of your long run, end of a workout. Um, is it important to eat after your run, even if you're not hungry or you feel sick? Yes, you should definitely try to make yourself eat as soon as you are done. Like trying within 30 minutes to eat something. That is kind of the ultimate the time that they figured out that's going to help your body start recovering the fastest. So that's why they really say, you know, getting some sort of carb, getting some sort of protein in within 30 minutes. 
And even if you're not hungry, just like trying something small, anything that you can get in your body yes. will help kick off that process, I guess. Um, right. I struggle with that a lot, like with the whole not feeling hungry. Do you ever get that way? Oh, yes. And I finally come to realize that my stomach's usually a lot happier, maybe stop feeling a little nauseous if I would just eat right away. It doesn't sound appealing, but I usually get over that feeling a lot faster if I just force myself to eat a little something. Yeah, that's super interesting. I I can relate to what you're saying because the times where I do eat and I force myself, I feel better a lot faster than the times I'm like, nope, feel sick and I can't eat. So it's good to know that you feel that way too and you're a registered dietitian (laughs) and you just kick it off. You start that process by forcing yourself. So right. It sounds so yeah. bad, but yeah, right. one time where it's okay to force yourself to eat something. Yeah. Um, and then what are some of like the best, I think you already touched on that a little bit, something with protein and, and a carbohydrate after your run. Yeah. So maybe you've, most people have probably heard chocolate milk after a workout and that's because of the ratio to carbs to protein. So the, the best ratio is four grams of carbohydrates to every gram of protein and chocolate milk comes in at about 3.1. So finding somewhere where you're getting fair amount of carbohydrates and a little bit of protein, and that's going to help fill your glycogen stores up since you depleted them during a long run or any sort of run, but then also getting some protein to help your muscles start recovering, start rebuilding after that hard workout. Well, yeah, that's really interesting. I have heard that about the chocolate milk and I like how you explained it. It's that four to one ratio. So really it's the carbs. You really want to restore those carbs because you just depleted them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to go and count like your food items to be like, okay, 20 grams of this. And I have four grams of protein. Like, okay, I'm good. Like, you know, you don't need to like actually count it, but just, you know, being aware, like, okay, I'm having a piece of toast. Like instead of just having a piece of toast, I'll put some nut butter on it or just making sure if you're making a smoothie, or having a protein shake that you are getting some carbs with it too. Right. That's good. Cause I know a lot of people, they really like to focus on the protein, protein, protein. And sometimes some of those super high protein things, they don't have a lot of carbs. So it's good to be aware. You're a runner. You just ran, you depleted your carbs. You got to eat the carbs. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess that kind of dives into, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, carbs are bad for you. You know, <laughs> like some, the keto diet and all that out there, which, I don't know what your stance with that is, but a question that we get a lot is about uh, weight loss and weight gain with marathon training. So I think some people come to the marathon or long distance running with the appeal of, oh, you know, I'm going to burn a lot of calories and so I'll lose weight. And what ends up happening, or some people who don't even have that in their mind, they actually gain weight while marathon training. Um, Why do you think that is? So it's not uncommon. So if you feel like you did gain weight during marathon training and you're the only one, you are definitely not. It's actually very common. So there's a few different reasonings why it could be happening. So first of all, you're running more, you're going to gain more muscle and muscle weighs more than fat. So part of it could be from gaining muscle, which is always a good thing. Another reason is, especially if you're getting towards, you know, towards marathon day, you might be like, I jumped up a couple pounds in the last couple of days. Well, maybe you're carbohydrate loading during that time. And that is going to cause you to put on a couple of pounds. It's not, it's not a bad thing. (laughs) It's okay. Because it just means that your body needs to store a little extra water so that when it does break down the glycogen during the run, it needs more water to do that. So that could be why it's coming. 
or why it happened. And it's okay. It, it happens. And another reason is to be just overeating. Unfortunately, you might be like, <laughs> I ran 20 miles today. I burned all these calories. I can eat whatever I want. I can drink whatever I want. And yes, you bur did burn a lot of calories, but you know, if you're maybe having a donut and then you go out to eat and have like a big burger and fries and a couple of drinks with it, you know, you could have easily overdone all the calories that you burned along with all the other food that you eat throughout the day to refuel. Totally. And that's so common. I mean, I get, I'm like that when I marathon train, I'm yep. like, <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> I'm going to go and eat whatever I want. But um, then it ends up where you don't even feel that great or, you know, it can catch up with you if you're not um, kind of paying attention to having that good fuel as well. So I always find that during marathon training, I'm like craving everything, craving carbs. And for me over the years, I've learned like that could be a sign that I'm not um, preparing enough and I'm not like planning all my meals in advance and figuring out, okay, I need to be eating more during the day. Cause for me, I'll sit, I'm a desk job, you know, I'm sitting there working and I'll wait and then it'll be too late. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. I have to eat now. Um, so just planning like my meals and having things prepared for that are easy to eat and bring you know, if you work outside the home, like bringing your lunch maybe to work instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. It's already one. I'm going to go out to, you know, Arby's or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. even going down to the vending machine too, you know, if I run 10 miles in the morning or something before work, I usually have to pack some more snacks. Otherwise I might go down to our vending machine and I'm not going to find the greatest options. <laughs> I mean, don't get right. me wrong. I don't mind a candy bar every once in a while, but not always what I need. So if I pack better snacks, I'm then going to turn to my lunchbox first and, you know, refuel from that. Exactly. And I think a lot of people sometimes, if they're not used to distance running or like this is their first time doing it or first couple of years in this sport, like for me, it wasn't uncommon back when I was working, um, you know, my nine to five or whatever, I would be, I would get into work at 7am and I would have ate like so many snacks before lunch where people are like what are you doing <laughs> sitting over there you know eating a whole bag of of nuts and a sandwich and you know a bunch of veggies and I'm like well I'm trading I have to and I think just planning how many meals and making sure you have those snacks in advance where at the end of the day you don't go oh my gosh I'm starving and eat an entire pizza and wings and all that stuff too <laughs> Yeah, because typically the foods you're then going to crave are going to be more of those sugary foods just because you're going to want to get some carbs in you, get some calories in you, and that's typically what your body is going to crave. Oh, Not really? always the best sorts of foods. So typically, like, when you crave sugar, that's a sign that you weren't, like, eating enough during the day? And it can come from your blood sugar levels just going too low, too. So mm -hmm. by eating more regular meals and snacks, everything can stay safe stable and you know especially when you're eating carbs with protein and fat that helps you feel fuller longer stabilize blood sugars but if they start dropping that's when you might feel hangry I mean we've all been there before and during those times you're like I just want whatever I can get my hands on like and usually it's just carbs because that's going to be digested the easiest right so what are some things like easy things that people can do to kind of make sure that they're sticking on track with their nutrition and feeling their body properly um, you know, with the fruits and veggies and all that stuff. Do you typically prep things like on a Sunday or how do you go about it as a registered dietitian yourself? 
typically I will prep meals or like lunch for the week and maybe one or two meals or at least cut up the veggies. So it's all ready to go um, for depending on what I'm making. And then I might do one or two snacks. Usually for snacks, I'll just grab like carrots and hummus or nuts. So things that are usually almost always ready to go just might need to portion out the hummus. But that makes me more likely to grab that, especially if I didn't put my lunch together the night before versus like I don't have anything <laughs> and then realizing just grabbing packaged foods or, you know, grabbing things from the vending machine at work, things like that. Right. Definitely. So whenever you are talking about a snack, you always think it should be um, like either a protein or a carb or a fat, like you have to pair two of those together. Yeah. Two or three of them. You know, if you could get all three great, just because it can be hard to meet your protein needs throughout the day by just including them at your meals. So trying to include it at a snack. So like maybe having having a hard boiled egg and then maybe a handful of berries with it too. Or even sometimes with Greek yogurt, I'll throw in a scoop of protein powder and I will typically buy full fat Greek yogurt. So I have some healthy fats, have carbs from whatever fruit I put with it. And then the protein, what's in the yogurt and then the protein powder too. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I love how you said that you cut up veggies and you kind of have them in plastic bags ready to go because for me I find it's really hard um to really if I don't have things pre-packaged or like pre-made for myself on Sundays my whole week is just gonna be shot because you look at like a bag of you know celery in the fridge and you're like I'm not gonna cut that up or you see a (laughs) cucumber that's not cut up and it's just tough like if you're working full-time training full-time to find that like extra energy and motivation to you know, do it every single day. So I think just blocking off, you know, like a one hour to two hours on a Sunday, just saying, okay, I'm going to make six bags of veggies and these are going to be my snacks, part of my snack for the week, um, just to make sure you're getting in those veggies. Cause I think that's something that everyone can kind of work on those fruits and veggies, adding those in. Definitely. And that's the thing is it doesn't have to be like your whole Sunday afternoon, you know, especially if you throw something in the crock pot, then you can spend an hour getting maybe your snacks or maybe even less than that. And then you're done. You know, it doesn't have to be an all day thing or, you know, sometimes I think we see on social media, somebody that prepped like absolutely everything. And it looks like so intimidating to do all that, but, you know, start small if you haven't done it before, like maybe just focus on your lunches for the weeks and then you feel once you get comfortable with that, then add in a snack or maybe dinner, you know, something like that. Yeah, I love that. So start small, even if you just do like the day before or two days worth of meals, it'll make you feel good. You can get a little taste of what it's like and then um, move on from there. And I also loved one of the posts that you did. I don't know when it was maybe like within the last month, how you said, like, eat the foods that you like. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so it was about <laughs> everyone always asks me like, what foods should I eat? What foods do I have to avoid? And it's like, you really don't have to avoid foods unless you're allergic to them or you have an intolerance or if you just don't like it. Like, I think I gave the example that I don't like eggplant. So I don't force myself to eat it. I might right. try it in dishes. Like if it's, you know, we're out or if somebody made something, I'd be willing to try it, but I don't make it for myself because I don't like it. And so instead, I focus on other veggies that I like. Yeah, I love that. It's 
I think some people, they, they overlook that or they think they have to follow some sort of strict um, meal planning schedule that says exactly what you're supposed to eat for your, your snacks. And it's like, you can snack on things you like, you know, like yes. I only like a couple of fruits and veggies and that's what I eat every week. It's like the same thing over and over. Um because it's what you like and yeah. you should enjoy what you're eating. You right? should. You shouldn't hate yourself or hate the food just because it's good, but you feel like you have to eat it. You know, you can find other sources of protein, other sources of fruits, vegetables that you like that are still good for you. Right. These are all great tips. Just finding what you like that's, you know, a healthy version of that. And it's okay to try new things, obviously, but, you know, if you know what you love, um, keep keep doing that. So your tips for if someone wants to lose weight and train for a marathon, what sort of program or tips would you have for them? It, it can be done to lose weight during marathon training. But as we went over early, you know, earlier that it is common to gain a little bit of weight, but I think it's really looking at what is your goal for the marathon? Are you just looking to complete it? Or are you wanting to race it really hard? Because sometimes it's not always a good thing to be trying to cut back calories and trying to train for a really hard and a really long race. Um, so again, maybe just making some simple changes, like maybe you're realizing like, okay, I've been having sweets for like after lunch, after dinner, I feel like I have to have it. So maybe I'm just going to cut back and just have it once a day. Making some small manageable changes like that could lead to weight loss during training. Right. Behavior modification for like what sort of foods you are craving. I get that all the time. Like I'll want to have, you know, some cookies or something in the afternoon where it's like, okay, how can I replace that sort of sweets with something else that maybe would, you know, also satisfy my hunger and be a little sweet. So I'll do like a fruit, Mm -hmm. fruit, like banana and peanut butter or something. Um, probably a more healthy option. Um, Right. So weight loss and marathon training, like you said, if your goal is for performance, I think any athlete that their goal is performance, like the people who are, you know, competing really out there competing, like if you look at Olympic athletes, like they're not at a calorie deficit. So if you're you're competing (laughs) at a calorie deficit, you're not really able to work to like your full potential as an athlete. Um, But you can still you can still train for the marathon, you can still run really well, but it's not going to be like your ultimate peak, like PR performance potential. Mm -hmm. And it's also to see what your weight loss goal is, you know, especially marathon training, typically anywhere from three to six months usually. And so it's like, first off is your weight loss goal. Is it manageable? Like you don't want to do something crazy. I mean, you never want to do a crazy weight loss goal anyway, especially when you're in marathon training too. So looking at that as well. Right. That's, like some great advice. So just thinking about your goals and what are the priorities of your goals um, in line with your running goals also. Um, So in terms of being hungry all the time, I think you kind of touched on just having snacks throughout the day. Like how many hours apart would you recommend people snack or do they just listen to their hunger cues or how does that work? I think definitely listening to your hunger and your satiety cues whenever you are eating. Sometimes we'll have our baggie of nuts and we might be like, well, I packed this much, but I'm kind of full, but I have this much left, you know, just kind of being like, okay, well, I'm full. I'll have it for in a little bit later if I do get hungry. So listening to that first and foremost, if you're somebody that maybe is super busy at work, you might need to plan out your snacks. So maybe set a little timer on your phone if you can 
um, if you are super busy and just need that reminder to have it every, you know, two to three hours. So you would have breakfast and then maybe two to three hours later, have a snack and then lunch a little bit later, snack, dinner, and then maybe a snack before you go to bed too. Yeah. And that's like supposed to stabilize your, you know, blood sugar throughout the day. Is that kind of why people would have the meals every two to three hours? Yeah. And just then you're not eating three big meals either. It'd be better just to eat six smaller meals throughout the day. Right. And I notice the days where I like forget, you know, my morning snack or I'm not really, you know, listening to my hunger cues or I'll just say, Hey, stop telling me I'm hungry body. I have a project I'm working <laughs> on for work. Right. Um, and then like three hours later, it's like, Oh my gosh, I need to eat now. And it's like almost scary. <laughs> like, it how, is. And then, and then you, you're eating so fast once you get to that place um, where I'll, I, you don't have time to feel full until you've already eaten, you know, like an entire bag of cookies or right? something. So and then you don't enjoy I, it either. Like it's so rushed. You're just trying to force it in to feel better, to stop the hunger pains, but you don't enjoy it because you just inhaled all that food. So it would be better to like right. eat a little slower, eat a little sooner. <laughs> It's so true. Eating slower, eating sooner. I love that advice. And I think a lot of people can really relate to that, even though most people might not admit. That. Right. <laughs> but, I'm guilty um, of it too. At times, you know, it happens and sometimes you get distracted or, you know, things right. come up. We're human. It's, it's natural, I guess, to get really hungry <laughs> sometimes. But yeah, it's never good to have that super intense hunger followed by like, oh no, I'm so full um, sort of feeling. Uh, so these are some good tips that you're giving for the snacks every two to three hours throughout the day, um, making sure you're incorporating like those lean, those lean meats, proteins. Um, what if like you're a vegetarian or vegan, what sort of options are there uh, for proteins? There are so many options that you can choose from. So obviously there's going to be some grains like quinoa that have a higher protein amount. Um, there's a lot of products that are more soy based that you could choose from too. Um, so there's lots of options, like a lot more than there used to be, which is really nice. You know, there's tempeh too that you can use um, for those vegetarian or vegans. Yeah, they they definitely have a lot of options out there, um, especially if you go through Whole Foods. It seems like there's a alternative for every sort of um, like cheese or meat that's vegan, yes. vegetarian version of it, uh, which is really cool. Um, but it's great to know that, you know, you as a registered dietitian, like, you know, how to incorporate both like those vegan vegetarians and all that stuff. Um, and I know we have a lot of people who are vegan yes, that work with us are... and they incorporate. Yeah. I was going to say, I think majority of my clients are either vegetarian or vegan at this time, which is pretty cool to see. So. Wow. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I noticed there's, we have a lot of them at Run for PRs, which is awesome. Maybe it's just more becoming more popular. More people are going with that movement, which is great for, you know, sustainability and all of that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so in terms of if people wanted to work with you or get to know you a little bit more, the best way that they can talk to you is if you go to our website, www.run4, the number four is co. And they fill out the form on the site, um, say that they're interested in our nutrition program, and then we can get you connected with Amy via email, and you can ask her all of your questions. She can send you more information about what our nutrition program here entails. And then I will let you explain 
our packages that we offer and how you work specifically with runners to help with their fueling and nutrition goals. Sure. So there are currently two different nutrition coaching plans. The first is one-on-one nutrition coaching. Um, so that one focus is when you're not doing another discipline, or maybe you are, but you just want a little more in-depth nutrition coaching. Um, so you fill out a nutrition assessment. We do a little background. And then we go over your goals and help you reach your goals and how you can make manageable goals and how we can get you to them. You also receive nutrition and fueling guide, which goes over some information for fueling for long runs, which we kind of went over here. And then also a phone call consult too. So that is definitely helpful. And then the combined nutrition coaching contains a lot of the same things that the one-on-one does, but it's combined with either running and or strength. And then with that option, you'll have a 15 to 20 minute phone call consult. And again, we'll work on your goals. And with both of them, I am here for all of your questions. <laughs> a lot of clients will be like, I'm sorry, I have more questions. And it's like, no, ask me all of your questions. That is what I'm here for. That is great. Yes, because we never want people to feel like they don't have their questions answered. We're always available to talk via email, even if you're not working with us and you're interested, just send us a direct message or email us. We're always here to talk and answer any of your running, strength, or nutrition questions. And I really appreciated you coming on the show to share your knowledge because I know these are questions that we get all the time and I wanted them to get the answers from the expert herself. Thanks. It was fun to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I will talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on the show again. All right. Thank you. Bye.